The following is a Thunderbolt West Media presentation. Just how likely will it be that you may be forced to go off-grid due to a man-made or natural disaster? And, if so, what will you do about it? It's my opinion that we all should be prepared to lean on our faith and be able to step out on the sea. This is the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. Thank you for tuning in to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. I have a good show planned for you. For anybody that's concerned about being forced off-grid or anybody that wants to go off-grid to make that a lifestyle choice, this is your show. So for the next hour, I invite you to keep listening to the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. Before I get started on today's topics, I would like to welcome all of the listeners on KYAH in Delta, Utah. We're just now starting to broadcast on KYAH, and I want to let all the folks in Utah know, if you have any questions pertaining to the great state of Utah, feel free to ask. We want to be Utah's source for everything off-grid. So welcome aboard, listeners on KYAH. We hope you enjoy our programs. So I'm going to go ahead and give my email address. It's Jim Calhoun Music. Calhoun is C-A-L-H-O-U-N. Jim Calhoun Music at ProtonMail.com. That's my personal email account, and no one else will see that but me. So if you want to have a visit with me, go ahead and email me any questions, and I'll do my best to answer everything. And also, some of the questions I will answer on the air as well. So again, to all the podcast listeners and all the radio listeners, especially the new station, KYAH, get a hold of me. Send me an email. I'd appreciate it. Replace fear with faith. Replace pessimism with hope. And replace despair with determination. To all the new listeners out there, I want to tell you a little bit about my show, which is the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show. The original concept for the show was to help anyone that wanted to get off-grid for economic reasons or for whatever reason they have, that they want to go off-grid, that this was going to be the place that you're going to get all the information you need. Well, I'm still going to do that, but the world events, everything's got so crazy, and all the tyranny and all the the crackpot leaders we have, people that say they're leaders that are just, they're dumber than a box of rocks and they're shutting pipelines down and who knows what they're going to do. And so I feel that everybody needs to know what to do in case that they're forced off grid due to a man-made disaster, a bad decision by a 
poor leader or a natural disaster, whatever. I want all of my listeners to know exactly what they need to be doing in case the power goes off. So just how likely is it that we're going to lose our power, that our grid's going to go down, that you're going to wake up one morning and try to brew a cup of coffee with your electric coffee maker and it won't work and the lights won't work and the internet will be down. What's the chances of that really happening? There's lots of people that talk about the EMP attacks or the natural EMP of sunspots. They talk about all sorts of events that can happen to our fragile power grid, such as winds, very high winds, storms, hurricanes, tornadoes, floods, fires. There's lots of things that can naturally disrupt our power grid. But if the disruption is natural, then it only lasts a day or two, maybe a week at the most, and the power comes back on and everything's back to normal. But a man-made disaster, such as a terrorist attack, or even worse yet, some tyrant that claims to be a leader signs an executive order that says that a certain group of people or a certain state or a certain region, they're going to shut the power off if they don't comply to their latest mandate. What's the possibility of that happening? Well, unfortunately, in this weird world we're living in, I'd say the chances of that happening are pretty great. As a matter of fact, I would bet that instead of a natural disaster knocking everyone off grid, it'll be a man-made disaster by someone that's just a tyrant, just flexing their muscles of power. That's why we have to stand up to these tyrants, because they have nothing good for us in store. And I saw our government, specifically the Biden administration, who's illegitimate, I saw those people leave Americans behind in Afghanistan. And I've seen the police that are supposed to serve and protect the public not do so. Where were they when the riots were taking place last summer? It seemed like it was open season to burn down buildings and to cause all sorts of destruction. What happens if that happens again and the destruction is aimed at the power grid? We can't guard every square inch of our power grid, and there's so many big transfer stations and locations that they can hit to knock out power to entire regions. Knock it out for a long time, actually. But if somebody makes a decision that this group of people over here didn't comply, so we're going to keep it so they can't buy groceries, and we're going to shut their power off, as long as people aren't complying, the power is going to stay off. I would recommend that we all stand up to the tyrants and say, no, I wouldn't comply. I think that the tyrants will use food and power to try to control the people. And so I'm looking for horrible events to happen with people that are either lacking food, that the food supply is disrupted, and also that they disrupt the power on purpose, shut down pipelines, I think they're going to go after both petroleum and electricity, as well as coal. I think we're in for a rough ride. So this show is going to be all about exploring the possibilities of being knocked off grid. I'm also going to talk a little bit to the folks that want to go off grid, that are planning to do so as a life choice. 
because ultimately that's what this show is going to be all about. But I'm also going to include some things for survival, some tips for how to store your food, gardening, power generation, and all sorts of things that can help your family survive. Because I'm doing this show not to become rich and famous, because that's never going to happen. I'm truly doing this show to help. If I can help one family avoid a disaster, then it's worth all my time and effort. So that's where this show comes from. It comes right from my heart. So I like to say that this program is a program of truth and a program of hope. And this show is very strongly based in Christianity. Ultimately, our best place of safety is in the hands of God and in the arms of Jesus. That is where ultimately we need to put our faith every day on every event. And if the power goes down for an extended period of time, you're going to really have to rely on your faith. So I encourage everyone to build on your faith. It's a daily walk. Hello, ladies. Are you looking for a makeup product that not only makes you look and feel great, but actually helps your skin? Well, I've found it. From skincare to mascara, I've got you covered. Are you looking for a foundation that has skincare built into it? Well, our new Foundation Plus Serum is for you. It comes in 26 shades, and it feels lighter than air. I have specials running every month. You can find me on Facebook under Melanie Thompson, or you can email me at melaniekt one nine five seven at protonmail.com or visit my website at www.unique spelled y-o-u-n-i-q-u-e products.com forward slash makeup connection. I look forward to hearing from you and let's make you look fabulous. But the chances of the power going out due to natural causes, such as wind, ice storm, tornado, hurricane, flood, fire, that kind of thing, over very large regions is pretty well slim to none. Probably a 5% chance that a huge storm, let's say an ice storm, knocks down power lines for hundreds of miles, which can happen. That is a, probably the biggest possibility of having massive power outages over a very large region. Also, high winds over probably a lesser region, but can be just as destructive. But I think that those kind of power outages can be fixed fairly simple. It's going to take a lot of manpower, a lot of hours, a lot of patience, a lot of hard work, but it can be brought back I would say within a week, in most cases, on almost every kind of a natural disaster. And then also with natural disasters, you don't seem to have the panic. People seem to pull together. And if you have people that have power generators going, they generally are pretty safe to run them because a natural disaster, people pull together. A man-made disaster such as a war or a political party that's trying to 
be a dictatorship and uh, the tyranny that we're seeing, that tears people apart. And if the goal of the tyrant is to quote-unquote punish you because you didn't comply, then the folks that have the generators need to be a little more careful because there might be people out that are going to want to steal those generators because the whole spirit of community at that point is pretty much in shambles. There's a different headspace between a natural disaster and a man-made event. So I would say that preparing for a natural disaster is good. There's basic things to have extra batteries for flashlights and, and have some candles and that kind of thing. Almost everyone has the knowledge that they need to get by in a short term. But what happens if this disaster is a long term, a month or more, two months, six months? What happens? Now, they're already saying by the year 2035, they're going to quit selling petroleum products. I don't see that happening, but that's what they're aiming for. So they're already trying to eliminate entire industries. And by saying the word they, I'm meaning the tyrants, the people we should not comply with, they don't have our best interest at heart. Again, think about Afghanistan. This illegitimate government left American citizens to die at the hands of the Taliban. They did everything backwards. They closed the military air base and they forced everyone to go to a, a public airport in a heavily populated area that was impossible to get secure. And we abandoned a base that was very secure. It was all done on purpose. I don't know exactly what their end game is, but it was destruction, some sort of destruction. And we ended up having our service people killed. And we've had a lot of civilians killed. We've had a lot of Afghan people that are allies that actually helped us, that they're killed. You have entire communities of Christians. They're being rounded up and killed. For what? Because we have a tyrant in the White House that would rather go out and drool over some ice cream. It's, it's crazy. And so this show is going to be based on reality. And the reality is, is that we don't know what kind of depraved retrobate mind is going to be making decisions over our power grid. With that said, I'm not trying to peddle fear. I want everyone to have faith that we can get through this. We can get through anything that they throw at us. We just have to have faith and we have to have a plan. And so the second half of this show, I'm going to be talking about ways to survive this horrible event that may or may not be coming. I'm of the mindset that you're better off to be prepared and to have your supplies and your things laid back. You're better off to have that and not need to use it than to not have it and need to use it. Because if you don't have it and you need to use it and there's enough people that are in the same boat that they're doing without, then the civil unrest is going to become absolutely dangerous to the point where you wouldn't want to show yourself even through your picture window of your house. Because hungry people and desperate people do very evil things. Even people that you wouldn't think would do anything wrong at all, hunger and despair and confusion and fear 
can drive a lot of good people into doing some evil things. And so you don't want to be one of the masses that are out on the street scrounging for food, or you don't want to be the people that are freezing to death in your house because they shut your power off. And so I want to offer a lot of hope. And there's ways around this that even if they shut off the power for months at a time, that you're going to be just fine. And that's what this show is all about, giving you the resources that you can survive and possibly even thrive under these adverse conditions. Now, my personal opinion of if we're going to get forced off grid or not, well, I kind of go back and forth on that because that is a very, very hard question to answer. But when I look and see the track record of the people that are quote-unquote in charge, and see the people that are getting placed in Joe Biden's cabinet, people that have absolutely no common sense or working knowledge of the department that they're running, and I see people like AOC and just crazy people and the rhinos that are out there that are do-nothing, the Republicans that sit back and just let all this happen, it lets me know that we the people are on our own. That's why this show has been morphed into a survivalist show, as well as an economic show to get you off grid to save money. So you're going to have to listen to different episodes. I'm going to give you different slants, different views on different things. But it's all going to come down to you being self-sufficient. And so whether it's self-sufficient in a crisis or self-sufficient on a day-to-day life choice type of a thing, if, if you choose to go off grid and that's a life choice, then I want you to have sufficient power And I want you to have very much success in your new lifestyle choice. But getting back to what I think of what are the chances, the chances are very good that we are going to have an event such as a war, an executive order signed, some tyranny, possibly even a natural disaster in the midst of all that. So I think the chances of large regions, if not the entire country, getting knocked off grid are very good which is very bad for our country, very bad for our people. I'd say that it's probably around 75 to 80% that that's probably going to happen. Now, I hope I'm wrong, but if I can get you prepared to where you can survive a long-term power outage, then any short-term power outage that you might have to go through will be a piece of cake because you'll already have everything you need to get through a long-term power outage. And you'll have a plan. And so if we think about these in advance and have a plan and have some things stocked up in reserve and look at things realistically of what could happen and then prepare for that maybe plus 10% more or 20% more to give you a little bit of headroom just in case you didn't guess right. Because we're all guessing here. I don't even think the government, the federal government on a day-to-day basis knows up from down. And it seems like they tell one lie one day and then they turn around and they contradict it and tell another lie the next day. Who knows what's really in their minds? But I can see what's in their hearts. And what's in their hearts is very destructive to Christianity, very destructive to patriotic America, very destructive to our way of life. I don't understand how All of a sudden, our government's full of communists and traitors, and that just didn't happen overnight. But we let a lot of people sneak through, a lot of people that are in office right now that need to be voted out, which is another topic. 
Do our votes count? How long has it been since they've counted our votes? Who knows? How many illegitimate presidents have we had? I don't know. I know that they're corrupt. I know they're crooked. And I know that the only interest they have is their own pocket. Now, I know there's lots of pessimism out there, lots of hopelessness, lots of people that don't have a clue what's going to happen, so they feel like the rabbit in the middle of the field looking up for the hawk that might be circling overhead. And that's no way to live. So we have to get away from that mindset that we're just victims. Whether it be victims of tyranny or victims of natural disaster, we're not victims. We're survivors. And we need to be thrivers. And so the second half of this show, I'm going to be talking all about ways to survive and ways to thrive if and when the power goes out. From time to time, you're going to hear advertisers on this show, but they're not paying for the airtime. I only get a certain percentage, a small percentage, if I make a sale. So just because you hear the commercial, they're not actually paying me for any airtime. They're only paying me if the airtime is effective. And so this show is listener supported. So if you think my show is essential, if you think it's something that's needed, something that needs to be supported, I would ask for you to send your support. And later on, I'll be telling you how to do that. But I want you to support the advertisers. And if you feel it in your heart, we would love to have your financial support. And I will be giving you all the details of how to do that later on in the broadcast. And so I just want to say thanks for listening. And we're going to be right back. And again, welcome to the KYAH in Delta, Utah. I'm glad to have you with us. Be sure to visit my website, www.podpage.com forward slash living hyphen off hyphen grid hyphen show. That's www.podpage.com forward slash living hyphen off hyphen grid hyphen show. Welcome back to the second half of the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show. I'm your host, Jim Calhoun. And I know the last segment was kind of a downer. I was talking about all the bad things that can happen. And let's be honest, we're not living in a stable world right now. Who knows who's going to start a war? Who knows if someone's going to sabotage a power plant? Or who knows if some tyrant that's, that thinks they're a leader of some country does something crazy, signs an executive order to shut down a pipeline or shut down a power plant or make coal mining illegal, just something stupid like that, that affects us all. It not only affects us personally, but it affects our whole country. We don't want our country to disappear. And frankly, I think the powers that be are doing their best to make this country disappear. And it's up to we, the people, to stand up and save this country. And my contribution is going to be helping those that listen to my show have all of the ingredients they need and all the information that they will be able to survive and possibly even thrive under adverse conditions. And if we have a lot of people that are surviving and thriving when times get real tough, then we have a stronger country and we have a stronger population that can actually stand up to some of these bullies and stand up to some of this tyranny. 
So now on to the plan. What plan am I talking about? Well, your plan, of course. The plan you're going to have to what happens if you run out of power for an extended period of time. Well, you have to have food, water, housing, some transportation, communication. You're going to have to have heat for the winter. have to be able to cool yourself in the summer. There are things that have to be done, but they can be done very successfully because we can't lose sight of the fact of two things. One, God created this planet. He created the entire universe. He created this planet. And number two, he created mankind to live on this planet. So everything that we need is already here. That might be a foreign concept to some people, but mankind has only had electricity on demand for the last hundred or so years. So for eons, people lived without any electricity at all. And for eons, they lived without the internal combustion engine. They lived without all the modern conveniences. As a matter of fact, almost the entire infrastructure of the entire world was done with manpower, animal power, and some with steam. We have the technology now. We have the different power supplies such as diesel and gas and so forth and so on. And we have electricity that we can improve on the infrastructure. But most of the infrastructure itself was done with mules and steam and just hard work and sweat. And so it can be done. And your great-grandparents and those earlier ancestors of yours did just fine because you're living proof that they didn't perish because they didn't have electricity or any gas or diesel to go in their vehicles. So know this first. A power outage can be severe. A power outage can really, really cramp your lifestyle. But it can only destroy you if you let it. So you have to have a mindset that if you do not have the power, you just simply change your lifestyle. It sounds very simple, but it's very effective. And if you plan for being without power, then I think any disaster that might come your way, you're going to be able to do just fine. The first thing you need to do is you need to find out how much electricity you actually use. And pay attention to what lights you leave on and pay attention to your refrigerator settings, just everything. Just be aware of it. You don't have to get real technical. Just have a rough estimate of how much of electricity that you're using right now. Then you need to ask yourself, how much electricity do I actually need? Maybe that light bulb can not be turned on. Maybe the yard light could be turned off. Maybe your refrigerator setting could be lowered a notch or two. There's always a way to conserve. And if you understand the difference between what you're using or what you're wanting and what you're needing is two different numbers. And so you got to get your head around that first. Then a lot of things, just basic common sense, that you have to fill in the blanks. So you ask yourself, well, what happens if we lose power and we have no water? What do we do then? Well, water is a different story. Without water, you die, period. And so without electricity, that's just an inconvenience. But water is a big one, so that's why I'm starting with it. Find out how much water you actually use. Then find out how much water you actually need. And I would say, to be on the safe side, I know personally that I would feel comfortable with a month or more of a water supply. That if you have to buy the big five-gallon water bottles and fill those and have them in storage, whether it be in your attic, your garage, or a storage unit, or something like that, 
that's a pretty good investment. And so if you figure out how much you use in a day, of course, multiply that by seven to get your week and then by four to get your month, then you might want to go 10 or 20% more than that and at least have 30 days worth of water. Because in those 30 days, you might be able to find an alternative water source or you might have some good rainstorms you could catch water or something like that. But in the event of a total disaster and you're totally without water, things are going to get ugly and rough really fast. So I would make sure that I had my water. I'd have it stored in whatever container. Make sure that they're stored to where bacteria and things. Make sure the containers are clean and really sealed tight. And I wouldn't tell anyone I had these because if things get crazy, someone's likely to come over and hit you over the head to get your water. So yes, it'll take some room and it'll take a little bit of money and effort. But having water in reserve and not needing it is a lot better than having no water and you're very thirsty. Really, the water would be my top priority. My second priority would be food. And if you can afford the prepackaged survival food that a lot of the talk show hosts sell, well, that would be good. That's not the most nutritious and not the tastiest food, but it'll keep you alive. But my big issue with it is it's very expensive. And I don't have the money to buy what I would consider would be an ample supply, which I would say six months. Now, you might be saying, why only a month with water? Why six months with the food? I would do as much water as I could. I'd, I'd do six months with the water as well. But you're talking lots of storage spaces and lots of containers at that point. That can get very expensive. So I'm thinking 30 days would probably get it to where at least you can get to an alternative water supply within 30 days. Food, a little bit different. If they disrupt everything and the farmers can't get out and harvest their crops or plant their crops and the truck drivers can't get the produce hauled in and the canned goods and what have you, things could get ugly really fast. Remember the toilet paper, how it disappeared out of the stores just overnight? Well, that's going to be the entire grocery store. And people will be fighting each other in the streets for a can of beans. So you don't want to be one of those people out in the street. So you want to have an ample supply of food. I'm saying six months. Again, that's pretty expensive. If you have the money and you can afford it, that's the easiest way to do it. Get six months worth of food and be done with it. But a lot of us out here don't have that kind of money. So what do we do? Well, we do kind of a poor man's version of survival food. But we can do it pretty successfully and also pretty cost-effective as well. If you get 100 pounds, which would be two 50-pound sacks of beans, such as pinto beans, there's your protein. And you get two bushels of wheat and you get two bushels of corn. So that's four bushels of grain right there. And a bushel is roughly 56 pounds. And then I would buy a couple hundred pounds of rice. I'd get the brown whole rice if I could. But if white rice is all you can get your hands on, that's okay. It's just not as good. You may be sick of rice and beans and corn and wheat. You can get creative of how you prepare it. And you can prepare the grains itself by crushing them in a mortar with a stone mortar and grinding it down to a meal. And so you can use it to bake with or boil or what have you. But if we have a real bad natural disaster or a real bad man-made disaster that lasts a long time, we will not be living to eat like we're doing now. We'd be eating to live. 
Again, it's a mind space. So those grains, along with the beans, they'll give you almost all the nutrients you need to survive. But if you're wondering about different minerals and vitamins, well, look at nature. As I stated earlier in the show, God created this planet and he created man to live on it. And we've all heard the story of the Garden of Eden. And we, for some reason, think it just disappeared and dried up. My belief is the Garden of Eden still exists, spread out over this entire world. There are so many edible plants, so many things that are growing in your yard or in your back lot or in your field or in your driveway that are edible. Now, we've been told they're weeds and they're bad. But most of the bad weeds were brought over from Europe as a food source by the pilgrims and the early settlers because they knew what they could eat and what would grow, be proficient, and just take off and grow naturally that they could harvest and they wouldn't go hungry. And North America is full of these plants. And you look at the Native American Indians. They didn't just eat buffalo. You know, that we were taught that in schools is just ridiculous because the Indians never suffered from scurvy. They didn't suffer from a lot of malnutrition at all. That's because they were taught at a very young age how to forage and what was edible. So find out what the Indian tribes in your region, find out what they foraged for and go forage for the same thing. You'll find that you're going to get all of your vitamins and all your minerals from plants that are growing right there in your fence row. It sounds kind of silly, but it's true. A good example is wild roses. There's lots of little shrubby type wild roses that grow all over North America. And as the flowers dry up and go away, they make what's called a rose hip. It's a little red berry. It's full of vitamin C. And also pine needles. The long needles on a pine tree, just chop them up and make a tea. It'll have 17 times more vitamin C than an orange. The little blueberries that are on juniper trees or red cedars, those are great for colds and for treating things like that. So there's a lot of medicinal plants out there and lots of edible plants. You want to make sure that you know what's edible and what's not. You don't want to eat something that's going to hurt you. So I would find the plant, identify the plant, then do a search on the plant. But I have found that most of the plants that have spines on it, such as thistles and cactus, the reason they're so heavily armored is because they taste good. And if they didn't have all those spines protecting them, then everything in creation would be eating them. And so thistles are great if you just take the spines off, and so is cactus. There's an awful lot of cultures that that's how they treat diabetes. They treat it with diet. And the cactus is a, one of the good foods that will help a diabetic help you with your, your blood sugar. And you can make natural salads out of dandelions, lamb's quarters. Stinging nettles are even very good. You might say, wow, stinging nettles. Yeah, if you boil them first, I wouldn't put them in a salad. But if you boil them, it boils that chemical that is an irritant, boils it right out. They're actually very tasty. And bindweed. You might say, bindweed? God, I hate bindweed. I hate it too in the field, but make a salad out of it. It's good. Then, of course, you have alfalfa and you have, you know, sprouts. You can make bean sprouts and things with your beans. There are things that you can do. And so, if you don't have any money, 
If you follow the plan of just getting a bushel or two of everything I've said, which is corn, wheat, rice, and beans, you're going to want to buy some sugar and salt and pepper to flavor it a little bit. So I would buy a a can of each just so you can make a variety of taste in your meals. You'll get sick of eating this stuff. I'm not going to say you're going to love it, but opposed to not having any food is going to be wonderful. So we've taken care of our water and we've taken care of our food. Now, what happens if the tyrant or the the war or the natural disaster or whatever knocks the power grid off during the cold winter months and your heating system of your house requires electricity to function? That's a tough one, too. The best solution that I have come up with, and I want you to make sure you follow all of the zoning rules of your community and don't break any laws, But if you can heat with wood, just one room or a garage or an outbuilding or anything that can be heated with a wood stove, you can stack up enough wood to last you for winter in a couple afternoons if you have some helpers. And if you're by yourself, it might take you a couple weeks. Or if you have the money, just buy the wood and have it hauled in. Either way, if you have that as a backup, you'll not only have a heat source, you'll have a cooking source. I heat my house with wood, and also I cook with wood when I can. I prefer it to any other method. I don't know why, I just do. And if you can't do anything as far as wood stoves go, and let's say propane is out of sight, you can't afford it or you can't find it, you might have to rely on good old-fashioned animal heat. This is going to sound crazy, but it'll work. It sure beats being cold, as it might be time to rescue two or three dogs good-sized ones. Let them in the house and let them into one room. And two or three dogs and a couple people in a small room will make it tolerable. I know it sounds nuts, but it'll work. And again, I'm trying to talk to you about a real disaster to where you think you might be hopeless. And there's hope everywhere. Matter of fact, there's lots of stone houses in Scotland that were built hundreds of years ago. And the top half of the house are two-story. The top half the family lived in. That was their bedrooms and their, their kitchen and their, their whole living quarters was upstairs. Downstairs was like an unfinished basement. It was just four walls. But it had a door or a gate on the outside. And they would take their highland cattle and they'd put 10 or 15 highland cattle in the bottom of their house. And they had holes in the floor or grates in the floor that the body heat that would be coming off the cows would rise up through the floor. And they actually heated their house with cows. You can get very inventive of ways to heat your house. Being in a panic and possibly suffering from frostbite or death due to cold should not be an issue. There's always a way around it. The wood-burning stove is the best option. Kerosene stoves and propane stoves, portable propane stoves, those kind of stoves are all right. But if we have a big disaster and we have a big run on the stores, all the charcoal is going to be gone, all the propane is going to be gone, all the kerosene is going to be gone, all the candles are going to be gone. It's going to be really tough if you're not already supplied with these items.
And speaking of cooking, even if you don't like cast iron skillets and pots, you need to have at least one cast iron frying pan and one cast iron pot. Those two things would be invaluable if you heat with wood and you can cook with wood. And also you can cook over an open fire with those. Whereas the modern pans that are Teflon and all that, they're not adequate at all for roughing it. But the old cast iron pans, that's where they really excel. So I would have those in reserve as far as cooking. I don't endorse any survival gear or any electrical components for going off grid. But I can recommend that you look at something. And I found what's called a Cobb Cooker, C-O-B-B. And I think it's overpriced when you look at the price online. They're a couple hundred dollars. And I thought, wow. And I got mine at a thrift store for 20 bucks. And 20 bucks, yeah, they're well worth it. Probably worth 50 or $60. I don't think I'd pay 200 or whatever they're asking. I think the invention is great, but the quality of the product that you get, it's not worth the money they're asking, in my opinion. But the concept is awesome. It was called a cob cooker because originally you cooked with corn cobs. And I have used mine with corn cobs. It works great. But you can use charcoal, corn cobs, pieces of wood, anything like that. And it's got its own little compartment inside the cooker. Leave the top off while you're starting the fire. It's meant to barbecue on a tabletop. And it doesn't have a lot of smoke. It doesn't have a lot of issues that are going to be unpleasant. And the wind doesn't bother it. And it really does a nice job of cooking. And if you're a hunter, if you go out like for elk season or whatever, and you want to have a different kind of cooker with you, this cob cooker would be awesome for you. So I do a web search for the cob cooker, C-O-B-B, and see what you think. I have one and I like mine. I just count that as another tool in my survival kit if everything should come unglued. If you enjoy the Living Off-Grid Powered Information Show, I would ask that you consider donating to the show to help cover expenses because we don't get paid here. This is all done by donations. And we do not take anything online as far as PayPal or any of that because of all the censorship. Not that they have shut us off. It's just I'm not going to give them the opportunity. So we're going to do it the old-fashioned way by mail, check, money order, or if you want to put cash in a secure envelope, we would appreciate any donation, any size. Just send all your correspondence to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143. That's Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143, and your support is greatly appreciated. This is the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show with Jim Calhoun. When it comes to basic lighting in your home, if the power goes out, you have to be safe because it's an open flame, so you can't put it near drapes or do something stupid and put it in a room full of newspapers. But good old-fashioned candles. And if you have a way to fix them on a shelf that's up off the floor that no pet can knock it down or no child can get there, our ancestors used candles for years. There's three problems with kerosene lamps. They put out a lot of fumes, kerosene's very expensive, and there will be a run on kerosene if the power goes out. So if you could store a couple gallons of kerosene, that would be great. Just store it very safely and use your head. 
Don't store it near an open flame or where it's going to be a lot of heat hitting it. Put it in a nice cool place, out of the way, in a safe location. I think a better plan would be to buy candles and possibly even buy some candle making equipment. A lot of people have fun making candles. And if you have the ability to make candles, and let's say you buy two months worth of candles, and you buy candle making equipment, and this disaster forces us off grid for six months, well, at least you'll have the ability to make your own candles. Candles are easy to store. They're safe. You can buy a box of candles. There's no run on candles right now, and people think of candles as a last resort. So I would say that candles would be your most cost-effective way to light your house. But again, it's open flame, so you have to be real careful. And also, if you're in a homeowner's association or if you're in a place that they really frown on anything unconventional, you might not legally be able to use a candle. So you need to find these things out. Personally, I would not live anywhere where I couldn't do what I wanted to do. But there are people that live in places that, I don't know how they do it, but they're controlled. Every, everything from what they paint the interior of their closet to what kind of carpet they put down. And it's supposedly their own house, but I don't know. I don't know how that works, but I do know what's out there. So just because I tell you to buy candles and to use them, make sure there's no ordinance against it. There shouldn't be, but better safe than sorry. Because let's face it, the tyrants right now, if they catch you breaking any law, they'll break your door down and come drag you out. I've been watching videos of that in Australia. just absolutely makes your blood boil. I've been seeing some of that in Canada with the closing of churches. And I'm seeing things in the United States I don't like either. So I think that make sure you're staying on the right side of the law, but also be prepared. So we've covered water. We've covered food, we've covered heat, we've covered lights. Now let's cover communication. That's going to be tough as well. I would make friends with or get at least aware of a ham radio operator in your area. If we lose our power and we lose the cell towers, you're not going to have any cell phone. And if things get really bad, the U.S. mail might not even show up anymore. You never know. I think the mail will last longer than anything else, but there's always things that can disrupt everything. So I would make sure that I had plenty of batteries, get one of these emergency radios that have a hand crank on it. It's got a bayless generator inside. You just crank the handle for a minute or two, and you get a minute or two of listening. Kind of a hassle, but it works. I have one that has solar on it as well, and I can charge it through a USB. And if you charge it with the USB, it'll hold quite a bit. You may not have any way to charge with the USB, but I also have a solar phone charger that I can set in the sun with USB that'll charge the cell phone. And so you could get one of these little solar USB chargers, and you can charge your hand crank radio with that if you get the radio that has a USB port on it. So I'd recommend shortwave. The reason is... If the power goes out in your area, the radio station, they're going to be down too, as well as all the television stations. And if it's a large region or even an entire country, you can still get broadcasts from regions that possibly will have power because shortwave stations are everywhere. And 
you can listen to them from multitudes of countries. And another thing I've learned about shortwave people, the people that broadcast on shortwave, they are real inventive. And let's say if the power goes off in the entire United States, I have no doubt that some of these people will start broadcasting to the United States from another country that has power, whether it be from England or whether it be from Africa or on a barge somewhere in the middle of the Pacific Ocean. They'll find a way. But the regular AM and FM radio stations, they're going to suffer the same power outage as the rest of us. They might have some emergency backup, but some of them won't. But the shortwave is your best bet. Also, I'd get business band radios that will reach three or four miles. Because if we hit a disaster, everything's going to be local. You're not going to care what's happening across the state or across the country. You're just going to care what happens in your neighborhood. And if you want to stay in communication with a loved one, a portable business band radio is the best way to go. You can go three or four miles apart and still communicate. And so I'd recommend a business band. Motorola makes a good business band. I don't, I'm not endorsing them, but that's where I'd start looking. You can help to support the Living Off-Grid Power and Information Show by supporting our sponsors because we're sponsored on a commission basis. We make no sales. We make no money. So we ask you to please donate or visit our sponsors. This sponsor I'm going to talk to you about is the Eclectic Trading Company, and it's on spring.com. All sorts of great products, T-shirts, bags, cell phone covers, pillows, all sorts of good stuff. They have lots of good patriotic designs. The featured design for this month is called The Eagle Has Awakened, and it's an awesome patriotic shirt. So check that out. It's called The Eagle Has Awakened, and you can check this out at www.eclectic, that's E-C-L-E-C-T-I-C, www.eclectic-trading-company.creator-spring.com. Yes, that's a very long, very long URL. So we're going to be putting links on the website to this store. But I'm going to give it to you again, www.eclectic-trading-company.creator-spring.com. For all sorts of great products, check it out. Now I'm going to touch on transportation just a little bit. If we're out of power on a large area, We're not going to have any refineries. The gas pumps aren't going to work at the stations anyway. I think that buying a good used, good for the money motorcycle or a motorbike that's fuel efficient and have enough gallons of gas that you can use it in a pinch. I wouldn't go out in the middle of a disaster and flaunt that I have transportation when everyone else is on foot. But if you need to get out of there quick, that'll do it. Another thing you can do is if you're already off grid, an electric golf cart. If you're already off grid and you can produce your own power, it doesn't matter if the grid goes down, you'll have your own power. Only trouble is all your neighbors are going to know that you have your own power and you might have some situations with that. And also just a good old fashioned bicycle. It'll help keep you in shape and it sure beats walking. And so those are the three things I recommend. Just make sure that your bicycle is easy to ride, make sure that's ready to go, you have it all greased up and oiled up, and make sure the tires are good on it. 
Lots of people buy an old bike, like at a garage sale, and they put it away, going to ride it in a week or two, and they go to get it, and the tires are flat, or they're ruined or something. They didn't hold air. So make sure that it can hold air. And also, with any of this, as far as tires go, get yourself a very small portable air pump, whether it be foot-operated or the old-fashioned hand-operated ones. Because if the power goes down and you have a flat tire, you'll have no way to put air in it other than these old-fashioned air-compressing tools. And talking with tools, I'm going to throw this in. If you can, if you have access to old-fashioned tools, the old brace and bit, hand saws, the old hand drills that you just took your shoulder and just leaned into them and you turned a crank, one of the drill presses that you mount onto a post or you put onto a table, one of the old-fashioned ones, you can get all sorts of tools that you can build products with without any power. And before you say, oh, gosh, you know, that's a lot of work. I don't know how anyone could do that. Every old building in your area, all the buildings 100 years old or older, were built with hand tools. And so don't tell me you can't do that. It's better to have them, even for a conversation piece or hang them on the wall as a wall hanger. Make sure they're functional as well. That way, if you have to use them, you've got them. Be sure to visit my website, www.podpage.com forward slash living hyphen off hyphen grid hyphen show. That's www.podpage.com forward slash living hyphen off hyphen grid hyphen show. I'm going to go ahead and give my email address. It's Jim Calhoun Music. Calhoun is C-A-L-H-O-U-N, Jim Calhoun Music at ProtonMail.com. Jim Calhoun Music at ProtonMail.com. And the last thing I'm going to touch on this episode is power, generating your own power. If you're not already off-grid and you don't have any way to go off-grid and the power should shut off, there are still things that you can prepare for and have in your possession that will help you. Now, there's two kinds of inverters that I'm aware of. One's a square wave and one's a pure sine wave that convert the DC power into AC. And AC is what you need for your house. The square wave works just fine, but it puts a hum or a noise in your audio equipment. Your lights might flicker a little bit, and it's definitely harmful to your appliances with long-term use. There's something about that square wave that's really harsh. But it does work, and it's very inexpensive. Now, the pure sine wave is probably 8 to 10 times more expensive than your square wave. But a pure sound wave is going to give you clean power. Matter of fact, I'm making this show with a pure sine wave unit because I've been off-grid for almost 10 years. Everything that I do is off-grid. All my welding, everything is off-grid. And so I've learned how to do all this. I'm a veteran of being off-grid, and I love to share my experiences with my audience. But I would get, if you can afford it, a portable pure sine wave unit. A company called GoPower makes a nice one. I don't endorse it, but that would be the place I'd look first. But if you don't have the money, if you don't have the eight or $900 that it's going to take to get a pure sine wave portable, 
you can go to a truck stop and for 85 to $120 in that range, you can get yourself like a 2,000 watt or a 3,000 watt inverter that the truck drivers use to power their little refrigerators and things they have in their, their sleepers and their cabs. It'll give you dirty power, but it'll be power. And you can run either of those units off your car's battery. You can mount them in your car or just open the hood and use cables and hook to your inverter. And as long as your car is running, you're not going to run out of power. And after you shut your car off, you'll still get an hour or so of power out of the car's battery. Just don't drain your battery so your car won't start. But again, if we have a disaster, we may not be able to get diesel or gasoline where you can charge your batteries. So I think the best way to go on power, if you can afford it, get a portable solar generator. They're a miniature unit to be able to go off grid. They're great for camping. They're great for you. They're great to use in emergencies. They're kind of expensive, but you don't have to buy any gas. You don't have to pull start them. You don't have to, you know, they're quiet, which makes it real good too, because if if you have power and none of the other community has power and your unit's quiet and you're very discreet and not show people that you have power, no one's going to show up to try to steal your power. So I think a solar generator really needs to be looked at. Well, I tell you, an hour goes by so fast. I want to thank everyone for listening. And I want to say again, a special hello to all my new listeners in Utah. I love the state of Utah and I'm so proud to be broadcasting there. This is a listener-supported show, so if you think you're getting something from my show, if you enjoy it, if you're getting informed and you'd like to help out to buy the airtime, man, I'd appreciate it, because I don't make any money making these shows. I just do this from my heart, and I just trust that people are going to enjoy it enough and get enough information. They'll want to help me spread the word. So you can send your donation. You can send it by money order personal check, company check, or cash. I don't take PayPal due to all the censorship. But simply send to Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143. That's Thunderbolt West Media, P.O. Box 163, Hershey, Nebraska, 69143. Your support is very much appreciated. Any amount, large or small, it doesn't matter. It all helps me buy airtime. Anyway, I want to thank you so much for listening. And until next time, be safe, be well, God bless you. And I'm Jim Calhoun, and I want to thank you again for listening to the Living Off Grid Power and Information Show. Thank you for listening to Thunderbolt West Media.